Star Wars 7 by 7 episode 2501. <laughs> it's the start of a new conversation with Amy Ratcliffe, who is the author of, among other things, the newly released Art of Star Wars Galaxy's Edge. Punch it. <laughs> Hey Rebel Rouser, I'm Alan Voivod and this is Star Wars 7x7, your daily dose of Star Wars joy. And thank you so much for joining me for it. So, Amy Ratcliffe is back on the show. I think at this rate, she may actually be the most frequent guest to appear on the show, which is awesome. It's always great to talk with her. And if you're not familiar, here is her current bio situation. Amy Ratcliffe is the managing editor of Nerdist, author of Star Wars Women of the Galaxy and The Jedi Mind, and a contributor to, from a certain point of view, The Empire Strikes Back. She's also a host of Star Wars Celebration, as well as a regular contributor to StarWars.com and Star Wars Insider Magazine. If you want to keep up with what she's doing online, you can check her out on Twitter and Instagram. She's at Amy underscore geek there. And she also has a Substack, and you can check that out and subscribe to the newsletter if you like at amyratcliffe.substack.com, and I'll include those links in the show notes as well. As far as this brand new conversation goes, well, we are talking about... <laughs> as I suggested at the top, the art of Star Wars Galaxy's Edge. And we're going to cover a lot of ground in today's episode and tomorrow's episode as well. We're splitting this conversation up into two parts. And among the topics that we're going to be covering includes the difference between making an art of book versus making a making of book. There is definitely a difference and it matters to what gets included in these kinds of books and also how long one or the other might be. We're going to talk about the fact that she had the opportunity to be at both locations of Galaxy's Edge prior to the pandemic and how that affected the process of everything, how the pandemic affected the process of creating the book, and also you know, details from the macro and the micro perspective that were surprising for her to learn, even as somebody who is very well experienced with Galaxy's Edge. And I think I'll just leave it at that for a moment because the conversation goes in a few surprising directions and places as well. So let's just jump right in. Again, this is part one of my two-part conversation with Amy Ratcliffe, the author of The Art of Star Wars Galaxy's Edge. Amy Ratcliffe, welcome back to Star Wars 7x7. How are you today? I am lovely. How are you, Alan? Oh, I'm doing very well myself. Very pleased to be speaking with you in the same time zone for the first time, apparently, since we're both East Coast residents now. Right. Anytime I can avoid doing that. Well, I do that math all day because I still work for a company based on <laughs> in California. Right. Mm -hmm. so, but if I can avoid doing that, because I know it's just three hours like between, I don't know, it just gets confusing sometimes. So <laughs> I'm glad we're in, in the same time zone. Me as well. And we are together in the same time zone, not to talk about the art of Galaxy's Edge, but it happens that we are talking about the art of Galaxy's Edge, which is at the time that we're speaking, not actually your latest Star Wars book, which is a really awesome thing to say because you've also had The Kid's Guide to Fandom come out since then as well. Yeah, that just came out on May the 4th, which is fun and, and touches on a bunch of fandom. So it's been an exciting roller coaster of, a, of two weeks, no matter how far, or I guess a week, because um, no matter how <laughs> 
far, like projects are spaced out when you begin them. Mm-hmm. I feel like they always come together like like this in this wonderful, wonderful whirlwind, which I will gladly take. But it is always like, oh, there's so much going on. <laughs> and as far as the art of Star Wars Galaxy's Edge goes, I have to imagine that the events happening around the coronavirus pandemic probably complicated things um, to some degree, but you had the benefit of spending a significant amount of time at both Galaxy's Edge locations prior to the pandemic. So let me start off by asking, um, what would you say surprised you the most to learn about Galaxy's Edge as a result of writing this book? And, you know, if you want to take that from a just a broad overview or even just the most amazing little detail that you may have picked up as a result of the writing process of the book, you know, turn it loose, whatever you have. <laughs> Beautiful. I'm glad that you mentioned kind of both that macro and micro because there were multiple things on big and small scales that I was like, oh. And like on big scales, it was thinking about things like, of course, it's an art of book. So we talked a lot about uh, with the various people I'd spoke to from Imagineering and from Lucasfilm about their influences. And yeah, of course, Ralph McQuarrie, mm, an yeah. obvious one. That's, you have a couple pieces of his work in the book, actually, that people referenced or modified. And you can see it when you walk around Galaxy's Edge. Like, you have those hallmarks that are so Star Wars. You're like, yes, I can tie this directly back to McQuarrie vibes. Mm. But in talking with Eric Timmons, who's a concept design supervisor at Lucasfilm and whose work is featured prominently throughout the book because he contributed so much to Galaxy's Edge, you know, he talked to me a lot about his artistic influences when thinking about the like layout of Galaxy's Edge, how the light and shadow would play in, in various places. And he talked about 18th century painters like Piranesi. And he and Chris Beatty at Imagineering referenced Orientalist, peri- Orientalist period art and paintings that just directly inspired how they looked at the shape language and the color language of the land. And I, you know, walk in, I'm like, oh, Star Wars. And I, you're distracted by looking at so many <laughs> amazing things. And you don't think like, yeah, of course, like these wonderfully talented artists creating concepts for this land like they're not just like looking back at a new hope like their influences come from everywhere but kind of getting those like little mini art history lessons like was really cool and then to like take that and have it in your mind well one day when I get to go there again but at least when Mm. I look at my pictures I'm like oh and then even on a small scale like learning about I mean it's imagineering Walt Disney Imagineering, Disney Parks, attention to detail is kind of their thing. Yeah. (laughs) They're pretty good at that. Mm -hmm. But just hearing from so many people there who are so passionate about not only Star Wars, but just what they do and how they brainstorm and what they reference. And and also they would just dig into their memories from – because, you know, they've worked on Galaxy's Edge. They started working on it in 2014. Mm-hmm. Um, so I was really like... 2014? Hey, oh. Yeah. So, like, remember that, that thing you probably worked on? Like, I don't know, at least five to six years ago. Let's discuss <laughs> that. And to their credit, all of them were like, yeah. But it was like getting down to, you know, a designer who I talked to who 
really worked, you know, because you have this immersive land with Orabesh signs, but they also have to be functional and you have to tell people where the exits are and where the restrooms are. Mm. So like talking to a designer about like, okay, like we obviously can't put that critical information in Orabesh. So how do we like, let's design a font that kind of is of the universe or of the galaxy, I should say. Mm-hmm. And like ties into, I mean, you can have the Orabesh there, but you have this English translation, but like, let's make that look Star Wars. And so, yeah, like those kind of details. I'm like, I just ate, (laughs) I ate all of that up. And I was like, oh, like in my head, like, I'm like, of course, but I was still surprised learning it. Mm -hmm. Oh gosh, that is so awesome. And the, the thing about bringing to bear various types of, you know, of artistic styles and the art history stuff that just blows my mind. And it also makes so much sense when, you know, everyone talks about the, you know, the success of star Wars and how it draws from so many different genres to create the amazing space opera that we all know and love, but that isn't limited to, you know, the movies and to cinematic influences. When you create an experience like Galaxy's Edge, drawing from you know, such a wide range of art history to develop a, an experience like that. I mean, it seems so headspackingly obvious when you describe it like that, but so wonderful and beautiful and unexpected also. Yeah, because like you see, Exactly. That's what the thought process I went through. I was like, oh, like, of course, but this just wasn't obvious to me that you're sitting here illustrating an alien planet in this galaxy we all know and love, but you're thinking in the back of your head about these famous artists and classic artists and these like sweeping landscape vistas. It's, it was pretty cool. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so in staying with the idea of stuff that you learned as a result of doing this project, I know you conducted, I think, dozens of interviews <laughs> for doing this. Yeah, it was, you know, as all Star Wars projects I've been involved with to date, um, for the most part, it's very like, you wait, you're going to do this thing, and then time passes, and people are busy, and things have to be approved, and then all of a sudden it's like, and it's go time. Mm-hmm. <laughs> And it happened to start being go time right when the, not long after the pandemic started. So I don't know if that was, you know, it was, I was pleasantly surprised because my main thing is, you know, this, we had a deadline for the first draft and I'm like, great, I need to conduct interviews as soon as possible Mm -hmm. because I know transcribing is going to be a thing. And I know people's schedules are a thing, (laughs) Uh, but I had this amazing gentleman at W uh, at Walt Disney Imagineering WDI as it is sometimes called, if you're mm. being fancy. Ah. Yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> named David Gill, who helped me. Like, I was like, okay, this is my wish list. And boy, if he didn't line up those interviews, lickety split. And I did the Lucasfilm. I coordinated those on my own to the point where in like a span of seven days, and that's not even like seven business days. It was probably like five business days. Mm-hmm. I conducted like 17 interviews. And that was intense. And then... uh <laughs> You know, as time went on, I added some other ones in there and I went back and did follow up. So I talked to between 20 and 25 people and total did like, I don't know, probably between 25 to 35 interviews. Oh, goodness. So it was a lot of layers because 
the initial like like push of interviews was like overview because we didn't have the book designed yet Mm -hmm. and then once the i had my first draft done we had the book roughly designed we i mean the incredible book designer at abrams Mm -hmm. (laughs) (laughs) my my only input was like hey this stuff on the millennium falcon should go in this part of the book because neither my book designer or editor had been to galaxy's edge yet ah okay um so by the time we had that rough layout, then I went back and did interviews to like try to get commentary on specific pieces. And it was all via Zoom or um, Google Meet. And we would just I would just screen share my PDF and be like, hey, remember this image? <laughs> um, and like I said, to their credit, everyone did. And would, you know, Doug Chang especially, I mean, what a what a talented human, mm. first of all. Mm-hmm. Um, but also what a kind and thoughtful human. I just enjoy anytime I get to talk to him, but it was just, you know, so remarkable to me that I could be pull up some pictures. We actually talked quite a bit about the millennium Falcon and smugglers run. Mm-hmm. And just that one image would spark and he'd be like, Oh yeah. And just like go on <laughs> and just like digging through his memories without it. It was the easiest. I'm like, this took very little prompting from me. <laughs> <laughs> so, that was a lot, but I had a lot of wonderful input and just such talented, creative people to talk with. And I'm a big Disney Parks fan, so it, get it, getting to interview all the folks who worked at Imagineering was was constant fangirling on, <laughs> on my part. Do you have to set that aside, or do you get to have a moment to say, Oh my gosh, I'm so excited to talk to you. And then, all right, now that I've gotten that out of the way, let's get into the. <laughs> it was totally that, especially with some folks, you know, who I hadn't interviewed before mm-hmm. and were talking about Star Wars and kind of like the natural starting place was just whoever I was interviewing would tell me about their personal history with Star Wars. Mm-hmm. And so we get excited about that. And then there's my like, oh, like your work is so cool. I love what you did with the sign in Oga's Cantina. Like, you know, mm-hmm. or the gentleman, Eric Baker, who did all the props, who, who led the prop team mm-hmm. in Galaxy's Edge and is responsible for leading the team that has all those incredible things and Doc Ondars and just uh-huh. like just crushed it, right? So mm-hmm. nerding out with him, like about <laughs> him and then with him about all his discoveries and how he put things together. It's just so much fun. But they're... I did have to have a moment. It's okay. I'm like, I know you think Scott's really cool, but you got to be like chill and do your interviews and get the information you need. <laughs> I think I would probably have a very similar experience had I been in your shoes. Because <laughs> it just did. It felt like, you know, Imagineering shares some concept art from time to time and they do share peaks behind the scene, but not to this degree in my experience. So I did get to feel like that kind of like nervous, like, Oh, like I'm not like it's not like I'm like trying to like trick them into secrets. Like we're just talking about things they're perfectly allowed to talk to, but mm-hmm. it just it felt very like I'm getting inside scoop and this is adding a whole other level of me not being <laughs> chill about it. <laughs> oh goodness. So um you mentioned um just a few moments ago um layers in terms of the book coming together and you actually in your own email newsletter have talked about the book coming together in layers so um would you expand a little bit more uh, about that i mean is it you know have you already kind of covered that with just the way the interviews came together and going back around that stuff or is there more to it uh, there's a little more to it and just that and it's been like this with with 
all of my books, but this one in particular, like it's hard to track that kind of like, how long did you work on it? Because there were so many periods of like, here's my outline. And then, you know, it's working with Walt Disney Imagineering and Lucasfilm. So as you can imagine, there are more than a few parties who need to review <laughs> and approve things. Mm -hmm. And so there was like that kind of initial phase. One of the most challenging phases or layers, I should say, is Walt Disney Imagineering had a wonderfully uh, huge collection of digital assets for us to potentially use, ah. which what a joy it was to get that invitation to view <laughs> those <laughs> images. And I think over 700 made it in the book, but we ah. had no joke, like thousands. And, and there are varying like, okay, file like quality for one thing, which is important. Like you definitely need to make sure like whatever we put in there has a very high res version available. Oh yeah. And so the wonderful folks in Imagineering had this collected and they had a rating system that kind of was like, okay, this is like an ideal image to use because we have <laughs> a really good <laughs> file history for it Ah. versus some that might be like, okay, maybe this one has like a lower rating. It's still good, but it's not perhaps the image that you're going to like spread out between two pages. Mm -hmm. And from there... Abrams, you know, made a beautiful PDF contact sheet with thumbnails of everything. And I was doing interviews. I did my first draft and then I kind of made a like, Hey, I, I tried to lay out the book as if kind of as if you're visiting galaxy's edge. So one section is about the market. One section is about kind of experiences like the joy depot and Sabi's workshop where you can build a lightsaber. So because my editor and designer hadn't been there. I was like, okay, pages uh, 30 through 35 of the PDF. You can use any of those images in this part of my draft. Like those go together. Mm. So of course I send all that off. And then that's like waiting for not only various parties to approve the text, but the actual book to be laid out close to what it would be when it was printed Right. And you wait and then it gets laid <laughs> out and then you go back to the people you've already interviewed and said, Hey, let's do this again, except with specific images. And then that all gets approved once you write captions and once you, there are a lot of file names <laughs> and in some cases there were a lot of, <laughs> there was a lot of file name fun in that, the low-res watermarked images all had saved in the file name with with the artist ID. Mm -hmm. And all the artists who contributed kind of had a shortened abbreviation, like, okay, I know that these initials mean it is Rick Lynn's piece, for example. Mm -hmm. But when they did the high-res images, like when we pulled those, those file names did not have that information. Oh. Uh, so... <laughs> I did a very fun um, several evenings on the couch with my laptop flipping back and forth to mash up file names. Oh, because, of course, image credits in the images in the book. Exactly. Oh. So, so that was a fun layer, which hopefully just and one of those things that happens that I hope never repeats itself. <laughs> that was 
the definition. I mean, it's beautiful art, at least that I was looking at, but it was like mm-hmm. doing that. And then also like being very like, it's tedious because you want to double check. It's not something I absolutely did not want to mess up. Oh yeah. But then folks, fortunately, like Phil Shostak and Duck Chang, like looked over all that and they have a pretty good, at least for the Lucasfilm artists, they have a good idea of which art style belongs to who, mm-hmm. but, but they were Imagineering artists too. So that was one piece. And then somehow, <laughs> somehow it all came together, but it was a process of like months with, I'd turn stuff in and then I'd wait. And then it would just be like, whenever something else came up, it's like, okay, that needs to be done yesterday, <laughs> uh, which is just kind of the nature of publishing and my experience so far. Mm-hmm. So those were, that was a long answer, but that those were some of the many layers in the Galaxy's Edge book onion, I guess. I don't know. <laughs> no, I like that. That's fantastic. Thank you. All right. We're going to leave it right there for now. And as I mentioned earlier, we're going to pick up part two of the conversation tomorrow. So that's it for today's episode of the show. It just remains for me to say thank you so much for joining me for it, as always. And may the force be with you wherever in the world you may be. Star Wars 7x7 is not endorsed or sponsored yet by Lucasfilm Limited, Disney, or 20th Century Fox, and is intended for entertainment and information purposes only. Star Wars, the Star Wars logo, all names and pictures of Star Wars characters, vehicles, and any other Star Wars related items are registered trademarks and or copyrights of Lucasfilm Limited, other respective trademark and copyright holders. May the force be with them. All original content is copyright 2021 by Star Wars 7x7. We hope you love it.